Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver, your favorite son, and expert at the sun end of father-son relationships. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, expressive arts therapist, and definitely not a specialist in father-son relationships, your mechanic. Thanks for joining us, drivers, whether you're fathers, sons, daughters, or you just love muscle cars. Today's quote is by President Theodore Roosevelt. There are many kinds of success in life worth having. It is exceedingly interesting and attractive to be a successful businessman or a railway man or a farmer or a successful lawyer or doctor or a writer or a president or a ranchman or the colonel of a fighting regiment or to kill grizzly bears and lions. But for unflagging interest and enjoyment, a household of children, if things go reasonably well, certainly makes all other forms of success and achievement lose their importance by comparison. Last week, we had Dr. Deering on the show to give us a deep dive into mother-daughter relationships. This week, well, we've got Dr. Don Azevedo on the show to talk to us about father-child relationships. Now, an astute listener might note that Kim and I are Don's children, which I think makes all of us experts on this subject. So, uh, Don, what's it like becoming a father? Well, I hope you discover that soon. All right. Well, that's fair. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) We'll see. And, you know, it's different for every father. For some fathers, it's the beginning of a great journey, and they're very excited about a child coming. For others, it's a sense of loss of personal time because of the responsibilities. And for some, it's both. (laughs) And for some, it's both. That's true. For some, it's a gift of something that's been long desired and perhaps out of reach for a while. Others, it's a burden and stress about providing for more mouths in their home. And for some, it's a shock of unplanned parenthood and what's going to happen now. So being a father is a responsibility. It's also an opportunity and it's a privilege. The privilege is to watch a human life appear, grow, develop, and launch. And you get to see it all close up. That to me is an extraordinary privilege. Sometimes a little too close up, yeah? (laughs) Sometimes. And, you know, even though I'm trained in clinical psychology and child development, and I have a wife who's a preschool special ed teacher, I was unqualified to have children when I had y'all. Why do you say that? Because there's one thing about learning stuff in a book And another thing about doing it in real life. I mean, would you say anybody is qualified to have children then? No. I guess maybe after you've had one child, that qualifies you to have a second one. I made that mistake. I believe (laughs) that to be true. And my second child was completely different than my first. Yeah, I heard she was a total terror. No, she was a delight. She was willful. I have to say that. But she was a delight, but very different. You needed different things than Ben needed. And it's funny, you know, because you start off as a parent 
completely unqualified because you don't know what it's like to have your own child. Even though I had held many children, I'd changed tons of diapers. I had interacted with kids for years. They weren't my kid. And being my kid made all the difference in the world. Do you think it's possible to um, become a parent without having changed a diaper before? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you learned to drive a car without having driven a car before. Mm, that's true. That was scary. Mm -hmm. So I was changing a diaper. Well, I guess I wouldn't know. I don't think I've ever changed a diaper. The cool thing is about being a parent is you become more and more qualified through the process of iterations. You know, if you didn't get the diaper change right the first time, there will be a few thousand more <laughs> where you'll get to learn the technique. And, you know, now that I'm old enough to be a grandfather, I think I'm finally qualified to be a father. I didn't realize this episode would just be a Ben have kids already episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not quite that. Sarah's but, you know, definitely when I was not listening about, to this one. What is fatherhood and how does it work? It, personally, these are the things that came up for me. I do have a bunch of stuff in here about research. So we can talk about research findings about what the impact is of fatherhood. I like your reflection there that you feel now that you have essentially completed the main portion of your duties as a father to us as your children. We're now adults. So, I mean, you, you still have a role, but it's very different than it was. That now you feel qualified to be a father. I think that's really interesting. An interesting reflection. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if you would feel that way if there was another significantly younger child, as some families have. You yes. talk about... Papa's like, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> so, Do we have a surprise for you? So, yes. And that child would need things that are different than Ben or Kim needed. Right. So, so you'd right. still be unqualified. That's what I was trying to say was, would you... You're only qualified because your children are now hypothetical adults. I don't think they're hypothetical at all. I'm You're paying a your own bills. <laughs> Barely. I'm a real person. All right. Ben's a real person. I'm a I'm hypothetical not Pinocchio. adult. I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the feeling qualified comes with having launched children into yeah. adulthood. Mm -hmm. Or space. I mean, I got, I got enough right. I didn't get everything right, but I got enough right that the two of you are gainfully employed. You have the skills to live on your own, whether or not you choose to apply them. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks, boss, for gainfully employing me. We have the skills to clean our own kitchens, whether or not we actually do. Rude. I'm talking Rude. about my kitchen. Sorry, to be clear, it's my <laughs> kitchen. It's quite clean now, but... It wasn't before. Sure wasn't before. <laughs> so, Kim, although you refer to me paying you, the reality is you pay yourself because yeah. you get what you earn. And I hustle. Yeah. And, you know, for the listeners out there, Kim has been crushing it for a year now. Heading in, I mean, you're well into your second year. So, yeah. congrats. I think it's Thanks. impressive. I'm amazed. I had so many doubts going into this, but we talk about father-child relationships, you know, Papa through every step of the way was like, oh, you'll do it. You got this. Whatever. I believe in you. Don't have any doubts. And I'm over here like, ah, what? Excuse me. Like all of the doubts. And he was like, nah, you're, you're going to be fine. Do we um, want to talk about when Father Papa switches over into corporate coach Don? Oh, yes. That's but always, he's still the same human, but he has this like totally voice. different voice. Yeah. He gets like a little bit evil. <laughs> 
a little bit like papa. like lawful evil. Yeah. And then he's just like, I'm going to tell you what's what, son. That's boss. That, yeah. That's the boss man. He's got uh, different modes. He does. He does. He has voiceover Don. Oh you have Dr. Don. Don. <laughs> you got boss man. You got Papa. Who else we got in there? Oh, Chef Don for sure. Chef is its Don. own thing. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? That's not how you cut an onion. You put an apron on this man and phew, he goes wild. <laughs> I become the Swedish chef. You haven't heard there. That's a new one. That's not real. Don't get fooled, listeners. That's not real. Making that up. I think that's an interesting thing, too, of like the different aspects of fatherhood. We're joking and reflecting on the different dads, papas that we have, the corporate Don, the Dr. Don, all of this different stuff. But it's also very much a part of how we grew up. That's how you raised us. Like, we knew when you switched into like, this is something you need to learn. And <laughs> this is something that we're playing about. That's Professor Don. So this will be on the test. <laughs> <laughs> I failed the test. Oh, no, Every time. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's dig into some of this research. There's a lot of stuff out there. And I mean, in fact, our last episode was very much about moms and, and nurturing and the role of the mother. So what good are dads? Why do you need a dad? What, what does the data show us? Well, so it's interesting because adult men who reflected on their childhood relationships with their fathers also demonstrated greater resiliency to stressful events. So if they had a good relationship with their father, they were more resilient. And if they reported a bad relationship with their father, their resiliency scores were much lower. Okay. So this is adult men. <laughs> they don't get the resiliency because they reflected. You're saying it's, a, it's tied to the type of relationship they had with their father. It's correlated, right? Yeah. So the Sorry, study, I don't know the technical term. Tied to correlated. Okay. Yeah. So the study looked at, describe your relationship with your father. They got a qualitative discussion of that. And then they also tested for resiliency to stress. How do you respond to different stressor things? Higher resilient men had better relationships with their father. Lower resilient men had worse relationships with their father. Hmm. In the other direction, fathers who have more than one highly successful adult child reported better well-being overall. So all of the scores that go into a sense of well-being, mental health, physical health, emotional health, relationships, all the things that tie into that, were better for men who had more than one highly successful child. But if you have a bad child, then you're no good? It only took one problematic child to impair parental mental health. <laughs> oh, I don't know if this is probably going in the cons list for the old have a child or not. Well, it's a challenge. It's something you get to work on, though, for a lot of years to help this child launch well and be able to do well in the world. Right. I was going to say, what? because, I mean, you're saying one problematic child, but if that child grows up to be a successful adult, <laughs> you know. Kim is like, it, it's me? as an adult, right? <laughs> is it so me? it's either highly successful adult or not successful adult, not so, about uh, the child oh, time. Would you say that your parental mental health is impaired? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I mean, I will say I probably impaired mama's mental health when I was a teenager. I treated uh, that. It's fine. <laughs> oh, that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's got to be a HIPAA violation, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and by problematic adult child. This is a child who has failure to launch, is not paying for themselves, can't be gainfully employed, has uh, difficulty with substance abuse, those kinds of things. That's what they mean by problematic adult child. Okay. 
Fair enough. Rolling through the generations as people look at father to son to grandson, those three generations, men report that having children makes them confront the father they experienced, has them turn and look at, well, how did my dad do this? And is that something I want to do or something I want to do the exact opposite of? And in dealing with those challenging issues with their own father by parenting their own child, a lot of times they can get better themselves and they certainly create much better relationships with their children by spending and investing more time in kids, doing experiences that are memorable to them and to the children. I mean, this is, this for me is a factor in like being hesitant to have children in, I think at like multiple generations levels, because Don, you have described to put it like simply and bluntly, the ways in which your father was not ideal to you Mm -hmm. and what you're talking about here, the ways that you reacted to that by very deliberately doing better. (laughs) But then I reflect on, you know, the father I had, you, and I'm like, I don't think I can do better than that. So like, should I even bother trying? There's a reasonable chance I'll do worse. (laughs) Now I know I, I have more faith in myself than that. Don't worry. I'm not, I have plenty of confidence. It's not it's not that serious an issue, but that is, but it is a thing I think about in terms of deciding to have a child and, and becoming a father that you did a pretty good job, pretty solid job. I would say, you know, 10 out of 10 would do again. And I don't know, I don't know if I can, others. <laughs> yeah, would, would recommend, would recommend well, this, fa- this is a good father. We kind worth, of did. Worth, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there were a lot of people in our lives that we brought in because you're a good father. Well, thank you. And, you know, when you look at that, that just means you might have a better base on which to grow even farther. I mean, name a thing that I could do better than you, though. Where? Um, okay, I mean, that's actually kind of an interesting question. Where do you feel like you haven't done as well as a father? You know, so when you talk about providing monetary support and that kind of thing, that I struggled with. I came from no money, so I had a lot of debt. And most of my early life was in paying off debt. So that didn't give us, that didn't afford us a lot of things. Yeah, but also we still did stuff. We did stuff. I mean, we weren't poor. No, we were not poor. Definitely not. I was poor as a child. Right. (laughs) Not now. Kim and I grew up very solidly middle class. I would say the middle of middle class. And what I'm hearing is that Papa wishes that there was more. Yeah. I would have loved to have taken you on more trips and shown you more of the world and that kind of thing. And... I I did as many things as I could, but I didn't get all the way there. What I hope is, because I've given you a higher platform than I experienced, that you might be able to do that with your children and maybe even let a grandparent tag along. No. Or a really cool No, 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 no. Wait, so is this just me taking my kids on adventures (laughs) with the rest of you? Yes. (laughs) My theoretical doesn't exist yet, child? Yes. I mean, I would say that when I speak with I haven't done a study and compared how many countries have you been to, but I feel pretty well-traveled. If that's one of the metrics, and that's a decent metric, it's pretty expensive to travel outside of whatever country you're from. And I've always felt like, yeah, I mean, it's not like I've seen the whole world or anything. There's lots of places I haven't seen, but I do feel well-traveled. And you made an effort, I think, too, to take us to different places. Again, I haven't seen the whole world, but we also didn't go to the same place every time. And I feel very lucky that we've had the travels that we've had. 
as a family. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just disagree with you. If you feel like that's a failing, I don't know that I agree. I, I don't think it was a failing. I think it was, you know, a solid C. <laughs> I passed well, the class. You're your own worst critic, so. I think any parent who is really into their kids can see all of the opportunities that they couldn't quite reach and not always see the opportunities that they did reach and mm. had impact. Uh, it's probably true for everybody. The key thing is to make the attempt to yeah. do as much as you can, to enjoy it as much as you can in the moment that you have. It's interesting because I, I know one of the things that you will definitely be able to do differently is I didn't have rigid expectations about what being a man or a woman was for either of you. It was, I wanted to discover Ben. I wanted to discover Kim. And interestingly enough, the research shows that parents, particularly fathers, who can let go of their expectations of the kids end up having a much better relationship and the child develops more of who they want to be. And that's a hard thing to do because for a lot, you know, society tells us that fathers are supposed to make men out of their sons, you know, and wives out of their daughters is the rest of that saying completely ridiculous. <laughs> and it's been completely disproven too. I think I would say, well, in, I guess in the circles I'm in, that is shifting. And I'm glad that it's changing. I'm really, yeah. really glad that it's changing. Yeah. What about, well, you, you said the rest of that sentence is making wives out of their daughters. What about on that end? Oh, you mean about fathering daughters? I don't know, Kim. What do you think? Just throw that one at me. Cool. I mean, I, I think you did a, a great job fathering me. And I know I was not an easy teenager. We talk about this like all the time. And, you know, speaking to the rigid expectation, I know you and I just had a conversation as I was writing like a, a personal essay or whatever, because I'm weird, about femininity and what does it mean to be female and a doctor? Huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Keep dreaming, baby. You're going to get I'm gonna there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> yes, you are. Aspirational yes, you are. doctor. What does it mean to be female and a daughter? And while we were talking, you know, it came up like you never had an expectation of what that is. I was the one who put that on myself, that and the societal narrative of it. But putting that to the side, you were always really supportive of whatever weird thing I was into in the moment. And you say you feel like you didn't, that monetarily you couldn't, there wasn't money to put in all of these different things that you wanted to do. And also, if you look at the amount of money you spent on dance classes, on <laughs> marching band, on instruments, all of these things, right? Yeah, it wasn't traveling, but I mean, that right there was huge investments mm -hmm. in us and in stuff that we enjoyed doing that brought us together as a family, or at least marching band did. Dance didn't really. I, this is making me go down kind of a rabbit hole of like, I can't think of a time in my childhood where I had an interest, well, except for, except for mar martial arts, but that we'll come back to that. That was mama. <laughs> um, and it was completely accidental, but a time when either of us really had an interest and you or mama, frankly, shut it down, said like, no, like you can't do that. Or like boys don't do that or girls don't like, I can't think of a single example in my entire life where that was the case. And like Kim said, you very much, maybe you wish you had more money. Sure. I mean, I guess we all do, 
But like you very much financially supported all of our interests. And if you look at our schedules, specifically with marching band, when were we going to travel? <laughs> <laughs> and yet we still did. We still right. had many travels. Right. And, you know, there's always trade-offs. Like I know we spent more time doing marching band travel than we did doing like youth group stuff. Right. Yep. And that was another, for me, that was a bit of a conflict because I had a lot of friends in youth group and I wanted to do some of that stuff, but I couldn't because I was doing March Man. But that's, again, that has less to do with Don, you being a father or like parenting. That's more to do just with schedule. Well, it does have to do with parenting because he didn't force you to choose between the two. No, I made that decision myself. Exactly. I guess. He could have said, no, you have to go to youth group because church is the important one here. That's true. And there's right. an expectation there. Right. But he didn't. He gave you that autonomy to sort through what is the give and take here. Were there points where Kim or I were interested in something and you supported us, but you kind of felt internally like this is a bad idea or this goes against my expectations or what I assumed and I'm going to have to shift my own perspective of my child to adapt to this new interest? I got very lucky you guys didn't do anything that was particularly wild or out there. Yeah, Yeah, we're really Um, boring. (laughs) Well, I mean... Our interests were pretty standard. I mean, I think as far as summer camps, I'm the one who went the most wide variety because I did the cooking camp. I've done writing writing camp. I did the marine biology camps. Yeah, you spent more time experimenting, whereas I was kind of like, I'm a musician, five ever. I will always be a musician. It's in my blood. I <laughs> sing so the song went, of my people. <laughs> and you went to saxophone camp and, and those kinds yeah. of things. So, no, I did not have... You guys didn't challenge me in that particular way. Although I really can't imagine anything that's legal that you would be interested in that I would say Yo, no Dad, to. I want to go to this summer camp about recreational drugs. You cool with that? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be down with that. But <laughs> <laughs> Man, what if that summer camp existed, though? A whole camp for underage recreational drugs. There are some cool research findings about uh, fathers and daughters, if you're interested in that. Okay, I'll bite. What are they? So for women who reported strong uh, relationships with their father, they were also more likely to graduate from college. They were more likely to enter higher paying, more demanding jobs. And interestingly enough... Girls without brothers are overly represented among world's political leaders. Oh, dang. Not going to be a political letter. Sorry. So Sorry, Kim. When they, when they went to check that out some, what they discovered is those women said, I had a, a closer uh, relationship with my father with more of his attention and energy. Now, did they have other siblings? No. So, so they didn't have sisters either. Because that would be interesting if it's like, oh, okay, if it's like a single child, then yeah, you would have more... Right. Not all of them were single children. Some of them had sisters. Okay. So specifically without brothers. Because of the whole stereotypical thing of fathers, when there's a son, they pay more attention to the son and not to the daughter. Or they, I would say, maybe give, well, you're talking about expectations. They Mm -hmm. give the son attention in ways that leads to the kind of masculine traits that we expect out of political leaders, I would say, perhaps. (laughs) Well said. Okay. So, I mean, does, also that, found, does that make sense? Oh, that makes perfect sense. They also found that these women who had good, strong relationships with their father were also more tenacious, self-disciplined, ambitious, and successful. Interestingly enough, 
Women born in the 1970s were three times more likely than those born at the beginning of the 20th century to work in the same field as their fathers. Now, some Listen. of that has to... Go ahead. Listen. I, I was determined for 18 years worth of my life to not be in the same field as you. Mm -hmm. And even once I was like, fine, psychology, I was like, well, I'm not going to be a therapist. I was so <laughs> determined. So apparently my soul was just born in the 70s. Apparently. Or it's just more likely since the 70s for that to be true. Now, the other part that's a confounding factor in that particular bit is that in the early 20th century, women didn't have access to the education and the credentialing to become physicians, lawyers, accountants, any of those things. That's the kind of study I would want to like dive real deep into and be like, okay, so like also what fields, what professions are more likely to have that following in the footsteps factor? You know, are we talking like trades? Are we talking other fields? Like what? I would want to know so much more details about that. So other things is that they tend to develop more emotionally secure romantic relationships and they are more resistant to getting talked into sex when they don't want it. So it, the opposite of that is true also. If, you, if women had less secure connections to their father, they were more vulnerable to needing and wanting emotional comfort from men that they met. And that sometimes turned into feeling like they had to have sex when they didn't really want it. This is what a, 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 a non... PhD person might call daddy issues, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. That's right. Well, and the reason I describe the outcome of fathering well with daughters is because the impact on the man, on the father, is even greater in my estimate, at least. I mean, you're talking about your experience, right? I am talking about my experience. It also has come from my clinical experience with helping other fathers. Okay. So you're talking about not just your own experience. That's why. Right. right. But I don't have research on this. <laughs> I do know what the things are that are described by adult women as what was being fathered well. And those things are things like participating in activities together, specifically athletic activities for many of these women. That when dad participated in those, not necessarily as coach, but, you know, maybe just a uh, super supporter or practiced with them or engaged in the sport with them. Those things created a stronger bond and a stronger sense of competence in in that young woman. Actually, I'll have a guess that it was closer if the dad was not a coach because that shifts the relationship. You know, we talk about dual roles, dual relationships. And, you know, it's interesting having you as a boss, right? that's a different relationship I have with you. And I see kids who have parents who coach their sports teams and it's a very different relationship and it's, it can get strained because the boundaries get blurred of yes. at what point am I your parent and at what point am I your coach? You just have to change your voice. I mean, <laughs> not everyone knows how to father well yet. <laughs> or just change their voice. I mean that too. So one of the other factors in fathering well is creating opportunities to work together. This could be chores. It could be having her come into work with you, but giving her meaningful work while she's there. So just being present in the room is not sufficient. Find a task that she's capable of doing developmentally and engage her in it and let her know how it helps the organization. Sorry, what's the organization? The family? <laughs> 
You? Well, no, 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 no. coming into it's, work. How to right. how it helps the company, the work. Oh, actual work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you may actually remember during the Highlands program when we took out all the blue paper. Right. You would help disassemble the test, take out all the blue paper, put it back together again for the people who were going to score. And that was meaningful work because you could see how it helped us in our process. You know, and someone would have to do it and you could do it. I'm not fully sure that I put two and two together on that one, but okay. What do you mean? I just I, I remember a lot of blue paper. Meaningful. I don't know that I knew it was meaningful. <laughs> but I'm a simple man. I don't need meaning. You can just tell me, hey, Ben. Move all that stuff from point A to point B. I'll be like, okay, no problem. I got it. So we talk about, you know, <laughs> women who are easily talked into things. <laughs> and then there are men. men. <laughs> I am easily talked into things. That's true. Please That's be extremely careful. true. Oh, my goodness. So other things is having special trips just with your daughter. And this is probably true with any, if you have more than one child, taking time to do individual things with them, uh, like trips, going on a camping trip or just out to a destination together for half a day. Those things make unique memories that make a difference in the overall relationship with each of the children. Also, key events in a young woman's life can create important impressions. I think that the vacation thing is neat because you did that with both of us through various programs and usually through a program. And also what I've noticed is... That was true in Sarah's life as well. Her mm -hmm. dad specifically took the time to take her and her brother Scott on distinct solo vacations. And she talks about those trips all the time. Like they're very strong memories for her. So that really reinforces what you're saying here. And I just wanted to share that. Yeah. And, you know, it opens up inside jokes in the family <laughs> as well. Oh, are we going to talk about the temples? Oh, God. That is exactly what came to mind. Oh, I was hoping we were going to talk about the temples. Of course, we have to talk about the temples. So one time, Don and I, Papa and I, went on a camping trip to, was it Rockmont? Is that what it's called? It was Rockmont, yeah. Rockmont is a mountain campsite. And at the time, this was the, the YMCA guides program. So you do like archery and there's like a lake to swim in and a zip line. And I was old enough at this point, I wasn't terrified at the zip line, which is great. I think this was towards the end of our thing. Our, our like little group had disbanded and it was just me and Casper, right? I think that's right. I think, yeah. And then like was, Kim wasn't there. That was, it was no. still just us. It was a boys only trip. So mm. we get the car all packed up and we drive all the way out there and it's like maybe 4 p.m., 5 p.m. The sun's starting to set. We're in the mountains. And, you know, if you've ever set up a tent before, it's pretty hard to do in the dark. I'm what, like 13, 14? Probably maybe? 12 or 13, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Papa goes, Ben, run, run back to the van, get the tent poles. I'm like, you got it, boss. Let's go. Because, again, easily influenced. <laughs> and I run off to the van I open the trunk. I look all over. I can't find the tent poles, which I'm pretty sure are in like kind of a long skinny box, you know, that holds long skinny tent poles. <laughs> I run on back to the campsite. I go, Papa, I can't find the tent poles. Papa goes, oh, they're definitely in there. What are you talking about, son? Get back over there. Use your eyes this time. And I run back to the van. I can't find them. So I get Papa. He comes back to the van and Papa looks all over the van <laughs> and he goes, I don't think we have the tent poles. <laughs> and uh, it turns out you can't sleep in a tent if there's no poles. 
So Papa and I checked into this, I mean, what I at the time thought was a swanky hotel, <laughs> had air conditioning, had a shower, had cable TV, which was more than I had at home. And uh, then we just drove to the campsite each day to hang out with our friends and, you know, shoot arrows and ride the zip line. And we had a great time. We had a great time. A classic story. It is. And it's it become is. a great classic story for the family. And it's that father-son bonding. Y'all got to experience this. I mean, Mama and I experienced it tangentially, right? Because, of course, you know, Papa calls Mama and is like, dude. She's like, what are you doing in guess. a hotel room? Right. Like, you're, <laughs> you're never going to guess what happened. Like, hearing that story and, of course, hearing Ben tell it makes me laugh every time. And, you know, I thinking about, like, the memories that I have with Papa, not as many from... I don't have as many memories at Y Guides, but, like... With marching band, I have a lot of memories of you consistently being there, mainly because I got injured a lot and mama wouldn't let me go to band camp without a parental unit. And just kind of that the bonding moment where we end up talking about like the key events in people in, I guess, specifically a woman's life, but key events in life where parents showing up and specifically fathers showing up mean a lot. Mm -hmm. Graduating high school, college. I don't know about getting married or having kids yet, but those are also important things. And also the magical Papa Don power of just appearing after injuries. So I know Ben experienced this when he left for college, but also I experienced this in 2015 when I had my seizure and I just woke up and he was there. <laughs> Same. Right. It's a magical power. But that I mean, maybe, was a maybe that's the epilepsy. Maybe we're giving him too much credit. I, Maybe I, it was a vision. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We don't know anything about brains is what I've I learned. Mean, I mean, <laughs> I was significantly closer to home than you were. So it was a little bit less stunning, but yeah, I mean, still, it was, was actually there. I don't, it was pretty like crazy to me of having these big events. I mean, I got injured a lot growing up and every time you were there. That's not a key event that everyone's going to experience, obviously. I but it was that. something that I could rely on. You know, I got mm. hurt and Papa showed up. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, we don't endorse getting hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. And the long-term effects of it are miserable. Chiropractors are expensive after long periods of time. Just having that level of dependency of knowing that you'd show up. And I mean, I knew Mama would show up too. This is not ignoring the fact that mama showed up though mama did forget how to call 911 when i did have my seizure so there was that <laughs> poor woman i love her to death she was panicked um, her little girl was hurt but just kind of that knowledge that it doesn't matter what's happening it can be a good thing or a bad thing but you showed up and that's part of parenting well and fathering well is showing up for the things that happen. I know some of that is also influenced by you have a job where you're able to create enough flexibility that you can show up for these things. It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, planned events are a little bit easier to navigate than, you know, when your child has a seizure at 7.30 in the evening. But showing up and making the time is what's important in all of this. It's hard. It's not easy to create time, but it is important. And it's what fosters that relationship and that connection. 
Can I circle back earlier in the episode, we were talking about learning resilience. Yep. I think about sons, but this applies to daughters as well, in my opinion. And then to loop back to the tentpole story, I don't know that any of us thought about it this way at the time, but it was a great example of, if not resilience, flexibility, and just adapting to a scenario, which I, I do consider resilience. I think it's a great example of resilience. And was it like a life or death situation? No, of course not. But, you know, what did I as a 12 or 13 year old take away from this experience? Did Don get mad and yell a lot and then not really solve the problem? No, I don't remember you getting mad. I You probably were mad, but to me, you were confused and then maybe a little frustrated. And then you looked at the situation and you evaluated your options and you made a choice and we moved on and we didn't let it ruin the weekend. We didn't go home. We didn't give up. We also didn't do anything stupid, like try to, I don't know, sleep in a tent with no poles. (laughs) Or in the back of the (laughs) van. Or in the back of the van. Right. Like we didn't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call that stupid, but like we, we made an a good choice. You made a good choice. I was a child. And I mean, also you had the money to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's very helpful. But I just want to point out that like, it was a good example of modeling, which we've talked about before. It's a good example of resilience and flexibility and creative thinking and problem solving. And all of those things were not lost on me as a 13 year old son, even if I wasn't necessarily like checking them off some sort of list, but I was, I remember all of that. I, you know, I think and about it. So. Emotional regulation. I mean, you're talking about he didn't fly off the rails. He didn't yell. He didn't, that's emotional regulation. I'm sure Papa was very frustrated with that because if I recall, they were sitting in the garage where <laughs> we had staged the entire thing to pack into the van. <laughs> They're just yep. right there. And, you know, I imagine that was very frustrating. It would have been really easy to get frustrated, to yell, to just give up and go home. And I imagine internally there was a lot of emotional experience, but you were able to regulate yourself and present with, okay, things happen. Here's how we're going to roll forward. Ben, do you happen to remember the next morning when we had breakfast with the rest of the kids? Uh, no. Did the other dads give you a hard time? No, but you had to tell this story at the very first second we (laughs) arrived. (laughs) Y'all won't believe what my dad did. And you were so excited. And you were so excited to tell him about the hotel and everything. It was really funny. Well, again, to me, what was it? Like a Uh, It's probably like a Hampton Inn or something like that. It wasn't anything particularly special, but I was like, we got air conditioning. We got a shower. We got cable TV. I can watch cartoons. I mean, then these these type of campsites have, you know, group showers, rudimentary shower facilities and bathroom facilities. And you'd be walking from your tent to the bathroom in the middle of the night or whatever. It's cold. And I'm like, oh, no, I got a cushy bed. I got all this. Oh, it's so nice. No bugs. Why why don't we always camp like this? What are you talking about? (laughs) Hotels, man. Y'all heard of them? Yeah. Y'all ever been in a hotel? I tell you what, it's like your bedroom except anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Which, for the record, this was not the first time we had been to a hotel. Uh, Maybe it was. was, I don't know. 
unexpected, right? It wasn't unexpected. Yes. It was right. a cool surprise. We were surprise. both expecting to sleep in a in a sleeping in bag. a tent. Yeah. I do remember one time Ben came home from one of these trips and told the epic Daddy Longlegs story, where your tent got swarmed by Daddy Longlegs. Oh, and you didn't believe me on that one. I did not. The- no, Papa didn't believe me either. Nobody believed me. I was like, there's something going on in here. Things keep touching me. Papa's like, go to sleep, man. Go to sleep. Uh, we wake up in the morning, the entire tent, like covered in daddy long legs. It was horrifying. Yeah, no, not here for it. They were just tickling me all night. They're weird, <laughs> long, stringy legs. Okay, okay. That's right. You didn't believe up. me. Remember? I do remember. I do. Yeah, remember. you were like, it's not, there's nothing going on. I don't feel it. <laughs> I got thick rhinoceros skin. I can't feel anything. <laughs> Papa is a different force when he is sleeping or like slightly asleep. <laughs> That's true. I it was probably 9.30 p.m. Camp Seafair. I was running around and I accidentally power slid down a wood ramp with sand and I got splinters and sand and just this huge rash of injury on my thigh. Again, injury. And I remember running into the little camp hall and being like, Papa, wake up. I hurt myself. And you're like, eh, put a Band-Aid on it. You're fine. And I was like, Papa, wake up. And you rolled over and went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So that should give you all a pretty good idea of at least our personal father-child relationships. Hopefully, you got some good takeaways and ideas on being a good father and developing great relationships with your kids. We also covered how being a father changes your own life and perception of the world. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think, so write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. 